This morning's scripture lesson comes from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 14. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I and them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words in you abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that, you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we've been, uh, we started the series last week on the life of a disciple. And this is what, uh, what this entire Easter season is all about. And yes, we are still in the Easter season. This is grand time that's not just a single day. Easter goes on for 50 days leading up to Pentecost. And it's this opportunity for us to uh, really reflect on the resurrected Christ and how that impacts our lives how that actually transforms us. Because it's a message that we can hear over and over and over again. And we come to church on Easter Sunday and we hear that message and we're like, oh, that's so sweet, it's so cute. And then what? And that's the great question that the gospel's always asking us. And then what? Well, Jesus gave his disciples the great commission to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always till the end of the age. The disciples were told to go. That was the, then what? Go and make disciples. And it's disciples making disciples. What a novel idea. But isn't that always how it works? Disciples end up making disciples. I always feel like, uh, for, for as much as I enjoy the modern era and technology and stuff like that, I always feel like I would have done really well as like a blacksmith. You know, a couple ages back, forging swords and stuff like that for people. I don't know, that just seems like a really cool job. I, mean, I know that things are much better off generally these days, but. I mean, you know, there's something romantic about a blacksmith, right? <laughs> uh, and, and so uh, thinking about the life of a blacksmith, though, there's a lot that kind of goes into that. Um, to begin with, you have to find somebody who will, here's the word, disciple you. 
Somebody who's going to teach you how to be a blacksmith, a professional, if you will. Somebody who's been uh, smithing the metal items for quite some time. Somebody who was also trained to do this properly and well, and to also add their own creative flair to it that people might be interested in their items and wares. But finding that master to teach wasn't always the easiest thing, and then also learning from that master wasn't always the easiest thing, but it's what needed to happen in order to be a successful blacksmith. There had to be those teaching moments. There had to be that, uh, that time of trial by fire, for real, if you're a blacksmith, uh, like real fire. Uh, but there was this, all of this teaching and learning and failing and trying again and working diligently day after day after day, year after year after year, to then become the one who then is able to train up other blacksmiths. And that's how the cycle continues. And then, you know, eventually we hit the Industrial Revolution and that wasn't as necessary anymore. Uh, but still, I feel like I could have done pretty well as a blacksmith. Nevertheless, the notion of discipling has reigned true for many, 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 many years. Well, that's kind of how we as humans get along, right? Whenever we start out in life, we're very incompetent. Like incredibly poor at everything we try to do. I don't know if you've ever seen a newborn baby try to roll over or sit up for the first time. It takes a lot of work and teaching and training and mirroring and that sort of stuff. But eventually, you know, infants grow up into toddlers and toddlers into kids and kids into teenagers. And let's just skip past that phase and go ahead and get to where they're competent adults. Uh, there's, that's how we in life work is we need to learn from somebody else. And then once we get to the point where we have learned from somebody else, we don't stop learning, but we do take on the opportunity to teach somebody else. Right? Uh, another great example of this are, are people, people like our, our teachers in the room. If, you're, if you are a teacher or have been a teacher, could you raise your hand for us? Yeah, that's awesome. We have a lot of teachers in the room. Uh, yes, teachers, it's the very same thing, right? You know, you had to go through school in order to then teach school. That's how, that is how it works, yes? Yeah, okay, that's oversimplification, sure. Uh, but yes, there's the process of training and learning as a disciple or student to get into this process of actually then being ready to teach somebody else. But it doesn't end there, right? I imagine that teachers, you continue to learn new things even in your own field. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's an ongoing process of learning. And so when we're looking at the life of a disciple, that's the first thing that we focus on, the L in the life of a disciple, if you will. That's why that word life is capitalized in your bulletin, if you were wondering about that. It's an acrostic. That's going to be fun. Is it an acrostic or is it an acronym? English teachers out there? <laughs> it's a word that represents other words. <laughs> Uh, the L, learning. And this part is, uh, is absolutely imperative because if we stop learning, we get stagnant. Or even worse, if we stop learning, we feel like we've gotten all the answers already. And it doesn't really work that way. There's so much more to this whole experiencing Jesus thing than just B. 
being than just existing, showing up to church whenever it's convenient or doing the things that we feel like we're supposed to do as Christians. It's so much more than that. It is an ongoing endeavor and journey of learning. Uh, this past week, I had the wonderful opportunity to uh, work on my friend's cars. And this is something I really enjoy doing. I really like working on cars. I'm not a good mechanic necessarily, but it's something that I can do. Uh, and my friends, they needed new brakes on their cars, and, uh, on all four wheels, believe it or not. And also a, another car had something that was broken underneath. Uh, but anyway, so they you know, uh, gave me the opportunity to work on it. And yes, I say gave me the opportunity because I love these kind of projects. Uh, and while I was working on this, one of their neighbors was out and saw me working on the cars and said, I didn't know you know how to do all of this. And I said, I don't know about know how to do all this, but I, I will do all this if somebody needs it. And she was asking me, you know, how did you learn to do this? I said, well, I really have to attribute it to my, to my dad. Uh, my dad was very much uh, and is very much a person who believes that if you can do it yourself, you can save a buck. And so he taught me how to do a lot of things growing up. And it helped that uh, he had his own uh, uh, landscaping and home repair business, that word was hard, uh, and that his father also had the, his own landscaping and home repair business, and so there's kind of like this family business of doing things yourself kind of stuff. I didn't go into that field, uh, but I did pick up a lot of those skills uh, in the process, learning how to do things, because sometimes things just need to be done, right? Sometimes things break. Plumbing, electrical stuff, yeah, and while I would definitely recommend calling a professional before, any, before anything else, uh, I have found that being able to do some of those things myself has been beneficial in life. And that's really what uh, the lesson that my dad taught me through many years of various things that he's always known how to do and knows way more than I will ever know how to do. Uh, he, he taught me that it's important to learn something to make a difference. To learn something to make a difference. Uh, if you can help work on somebody's car, you can make a difference in their day. Because they might not be able to afford the mechanic. They might not have the time or, or uh, be able to get it to a mechanic. You might be able to make a difference in their day. If you can do something handy for somebody like that, then you can make a difference for them. But it's not just things that are handy, mind you. It's just my experience, what I know how to do. There are plenty of things out there, and I would wager to say that just about anything can be useful uh, in making a difference, even art history. That didn't get a laugh. I was hopeful. Okay. <laughs> anything can be useful to make a difference. But the thing that he really, uh, that he was teaching me in all of this to learn something to make a difference is something that I have uh, picked up and, and want to share with other people as well. And that's really why I ended up getting into the church field rather than continuing in the whole family business of landscaping and home repair. Because growing up in the church, I very much saw that uh, the church was a place to go rather than a people to be. And that didn't really seem like it fit the message of what the preachers were saying. Because the preachers kept saying, you know, 
Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. The, te uh, the preachers were, were teaching the uh, mission of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples, of the make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And then people would just go to church rather than be the church. And people would go to hear about the disciples rather than leave to be the disciples. And so I figured, well... If my dad was able to teach me to make a difference in somebody's life doing handy stuff, maybe there's a chance that I could teach somebody else to make a difference in somebody's life doing the stuff that really matters. Loving on people. Sharing the gospel. But it doesn't just come naturally. And it doesn't come perfectly to us. This is why we use the word disciple. Because we acknowledge that it is a lifelong process of learning. Lifelong process of learning. And uh, in the United Methodist Church, they really beat this into us, the whole lifelong learning part, uh, because we are required every single year to submit continuing education units to prove that we're still learning stuff even after seminary, uh, which is great. And I love those opportunities to learn stuff. They, they really are enlightening, and there's so much out there to learn. Uh, but it's important for us to recognize that we don't just stop once we hear one message. And we don't just stop after we've attended one Bible study. And we don't just stop because it's inconvenient or because we feel like we've gotten all the answers. We continue learning, we continue diving into this practice as disciples, knowing there's so much more out there that we can learn to make a difference. Jesus, in this passage in John 15, uh, it's using this metaphor of a vine and a vine grower and the branches and the fruit. Uh, this makes a whole lot more sense for people who actually grow vines. If you work in a vineyard or you know, have tried to grow vines before, this might make a little bit more sense. Uh, for Jesus, though, he wasn't just simply using an agricultural metaphor. He's actually using a really long-standing metaphor that has been there for the people of Israel for centuries, this metaphor of a vine and vine grower, all the way back to the prophet Isaiah, the prophet Jeremiah, and also Ezekiel. They all use this same metaphor, talking about how the people of God are like these branches on a vine, and God is this uh, vine grower who is coming through to prune uh, what th these vines are growing and to see if they're bearing good fruit. And if they're not bearing good fruit, then why keep around something that's not doing what it's supposed to do? And this was the metaphor that was used whenever the people of Israel uh, were, were thrown into exile, was that you had this whole thing figured out at one point. Love God, love one another, worship God alone, care for one another. That was it. That's all that you had to do, people. And all of a sudden you're wondering why we're in exile. Yes, there's a lot of political turmoil around the reason why you're in exile. But let's go back to this. God said, if you don't bear good fruit, then what's the point? And they had to go through this process of very serious pruning in order to get back into this uh, perspective of what it means to bear good fruit on the vine. And Jesus, in this metaphor, 
throws a different word in there, slightly different. This word, abide. Anybody know how they would, how would you define the word abide? Here's the interactive part. To stay with? Sure. I hear whispers every so often, but I have bad hearing, so. What's that? To behave? Yeah. To care for others? I like it. I'll get one more for that word abide. What's that? To follow? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Abide is a word we don't use very often, is it? Uh, In just like our daily vernacular, we don't talk about abiding uh, unless it's like something to do with Jesus. But this concept to abide uh, comes in our in our language uh, from also the word that's used as abode abode which sounds like the past tense form of abide uh, kind of is uh, which is a dwelling place to dwell to stay with yeah to uh, remain to live it's this concept of intimate connection. Jesus is saying, abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This right here should be a very obvious thing, right? It's this whole concept that if you just have a branch, just a branch, it's not going to bear fruit or leaves, or anything. It's going to dry up and it's going to be, you know, nice little fire tender later. And if it does start growing fruit, then you need to send that thing to the Vatican immediately and get it approved for a miracle. But likely, just a stick, a branch, isn't going to miraculously start bearing fruit unless it is connected to the source, that which is bringing in nutrients from the ground, that which is uh, transferring the water and uh, the nitrogen, oxygen, moving things around to keep things flowing and growing. And yet we as Christians very often forget about the whole process of remaining connected to the vine. We think, I've got the answers, I'm going to show up to church, get my stamp for the week, go out and do my regular thing, and leave the vine there at church. And next Sunday, I'll come in and maybe I'll try to stick my branch back on that vine for a few minutes. But I don't know if any of you have ever done any kind of gardening. If you have a branch that's been cut off and you try to stick it back on there for a few minutes, it doesn't regrow. However, there is this fascinating thing that you can do in gardening that's called, Orlin, help me out. Is it splicing? Yes, that's right. Okay, cool. Yeah, Uh, splicing, where you can take that, where a branch that has been removed can be reattached to a a source, even a new source, and it has to be left there, however, and if it's left there, then it starts to grow again. But if we're just detaching it, going about for a week, and then coming back and connecting for a few minutes, and then detach it again and going out for a few weeks, it's just going to die. And so Jesus used this word, abide. Stay, remain, dwell. Because anything else other than that 
is just going to leave us dead, useless. And there's not going to be any fruit to bear. And as Jesus is telling his disciples to abide, to remain, he tells them, and if you abide, you will learn this commandment. And this is in verse 12 of our passage. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And this last verse here has always given me a little bit of trouble. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Because I try to apply this to my own friendships. And I don't think I could look at any one of my friends and say, you are my friends if you do what I command you. That feels very manipulative. So I had to do a little bit of digging uh, into the uh, Greek translation of this and found out that this uh, the way that this is translated is a little bit poor, improper. A better way to look at this passage is uh, doing what I command you makes you my friends. And even the word makes you is still not a great understanding of this, but it has to go back to the previous metaphor of the vine. Without the vine, the branch is nothing. It's dead. It's useless. And so this concept of if you do what I command you, you are my friends, or doing what I command you makes you my friends, uh, needs to be linked back to this metaphor of the vine to, stay, to say, abiding, remaining with Jesus, makes you friends of Christ. Because you can't be friends with anyone you don't have a connection with. If you don't have that moment of interacting with another person, there is not real friendship there. There is a person right now in Mississippi. I don't know their names, but Mississippi's fairly close. I don't know their names. I don't know anything about them. I don't even know, you know, what to even say more about them than there's a person in Mississippi. I'm not friends with that person because I have no connection to them. I've never met them, I've never interacted with them. We aren't inter interacting, we're not relating. There is no friendship there. So whenever Jesus is saying this whole concept of, you are my friends, if you do what I command you, what he's saying is, you are my friends if we're actually connected in this commandment. To love one another as I have loved you. To be connected to one another. He's saying, if you abide, and you understand this commandment. Without abiding, this commandment is nonsense. Or at least it's cute, but it's not something we're going to make our reality. It's absolutely essential to abide in order to understand this commandment. So, how do we abide? How do we abide in Christ? to bear good fruit so we don't just become dead branches. How do we actually do this? Well, a really great way, right off the bat, is ongoing learning. Continuous education, if you will. Keep learning. If, whenever you meet somebody new, if you want to have a connection with them, 
What are you going to do? Ask them questions, right? Hi, what's your name? What do you like to do? What's your favorite color? That might be a little bit too personal. But you start asking questions, right? To get to know them, to learn about them. And guess what? You don't ever stop learning about someone. It, it just, it's impossible because I have this entire internal dialogue that's constantly going and reshaping my brain and I will never be able to convey enough about that dialogue for you to know me perfectly. My wife and I uh, have been married, uh, we're coming up on our six years in, uh, next month uh, and we still, I mean, you know, only six years, right? Uh, but we're still learning new things about each other every single day and it's wonderful and it's exciting and sometimes it's challenging but we continue to learn about one another and that's how we abide and grow closer and connected and relate to one another. And so, as Jesus is saying, abide in me as I abide in you, what Jesus is asking is keep learning, keep studying, keep experiencing me. And we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago whenever we were talking about what it looks like to study. This is something that we can do individually and even better, it's something that we can do communally, collectively, to do together, to learn about Christ. This is why I want to keep these Bible studies and Sunday school classes going as much as possible because that's what it's all about, growing in the knowledge and love of Christ. To remain, to dwell, to abide. So that this commandment, that you love one another as Christ has loved you, might be at the very center of everything about you. And so my challenge for each and every one of us today is to commit to learning as a disciple of Christ. To commit to learning. Never settling for the knowledge that you have, but always be craving more be ongoing because as we grow in our knowledge and wisdom, we then are able to take on that role of teaching other disciples. There's a whole generation out there ready to jump into this, but they need somebody to disciple them. They need a lot of somebodies to disciple them. And some of us have had the experience to be able to say, I know some stuff. Let me teach you. Jesus said, go to his disciples and make disciples. Disciples making disciples. But in order to do that, we continue learning. And as we continue learning, we grow closer to Christ, abiding in this friendship and living this life of a disciple. Let us pray.